Hello there, thank you for joining me. I'm Jay Dylan Proctor here at Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, and there's one other with me here in the studio today. Hello, my name is John Mills. And today I'm in here with Brother John, and we're going to be talking about the good, the true, and the beautiful. We're going to be piggybacking off of John's lesson that he gave yesterday, where he looked at Jesus being the good shepherd and how that relates to the Pharisees and really everything the Pharisees had going on in the world. But, Brother John, would you go ahead and pray for us as we begin? Okay, let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together and to discuss these issues. We ask, Lord, that your Spirit would be here to to give us wisdom and knowledge in these areas. In your name, amen. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about the good, the true, and the beautiful. In our world right now, a lot of people, they are looking for something to hold on to, something to keep them steady as they try to navigate the different, the difficult chaos that comes down upon us, the chaotic waters of life. People want something to hold on to. In John's lesson that he gave yesterday, he really used this text out of the, the Gospel of John, or the Gospel according to John, where Jesus comes and says, I am the good shepherd. I am the true shepherd. And he even goes a little bit further and says, I am the gate itself. I am the door. And the Pharisees, they thought they got to control the gate. You kind of piqued my, my mind a little bit thinking about all the different aspects of shepherding and dealing with the sheep that the Pharisees had conflated for themselves. But I want us to begin our conversation today by going to the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8, where we are given something to hold on to. We're given something to aspire for, and this is what it it means to be a follower of Jesus. These are the things that he wants us to aspire for. Philippians 4.8 reads as follows. It says, Finally, brethren, wherever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate on these things. So, in the lesson you had yesterday, coming out of John chapter 10, the Pharisees, they really had been part of a group of people that for about 600 years, they had been subjugated by different empires, by different forces, and they were waiting for the divinic Messiah. They really wanted that divinic Messiah. They wanted justice. They wanted joy. I, I really think that, honestly, they wanted all the fruits of having a righteous life with God. They wanted the law of God to be fulfilled. And, and I really think it goes all the way down from not just the necessities of life and sort of how macro society is ran, but I think personally they did want joy in their life. But when the good, the true, and the beautiful came to him, them, they hated him. In fact, they hated him to the point of crucifying him. So I wanted to open up our conversation with just an idea I wanted to pitch at you. We often say that they wanted a Messiah like David, but since they wouldn't take yes for an answer with Jesus, in other words, he comes to them bringing restoration, bringing them truth, justice, they won't take yes for an answer from him. I'm not even sure that they would have liked having a Messiah that was more like David. Because I think they had gotten so caught up in themselves being the gatekeepers, themselves so caught up, and they were the arbiters of the law. They had got to the point of idolatry that you mentioned yesterday. Um, what do you think about that? Do you, do you think that it was such a deep root of idolatry that nothing could have broken it, not even a different idol. It wasn't just that they, they hated Jesus for his truth, but they had just got so wrapped up in themselves that only themselves would really <laughs> be allowed to guide them. I, I think you're really on to something there. 
you know, I talked a little bit about authority and the idea that authority is legitimate when we are submitted to a higher power. And Jesus' authority was legitimate because he was there only to do the will of the Father. The Pharisees, they took that authority upon themselves, and they weren't willing to submit to any kind of authority higher than themselves. Like you say, they made themselves the final kind of arbiter of of who is righteous and who is not, and what it means to be righteous and what it doesn't mean. And that that has such a warping effect uh, on us when we do that. You know, I, I think you're right. That became what was most important to them. And if being if having a Messiah meant losing that, they weren't really willing to do it. Yeah, I, I really think there's something there where they didn't want to give up their status quo at all. They didn't want to surrender to some higher authority. So a couple of other things came to my mind in our conversation yesterday. You brought up a story, and I want you to kind of retell that where— Something was going on where the people of God, they there were people who were dedicating things to the temple, but it was kind of a fake dedication to the temple. There were things that they could still make use of. Could you re-share those, those thoughts with us? Okay. Uh, this goes back. There was a, a method that they used called Corbin. And the idea was if you pronounce something as Corbin, it was dedicated only to the use of God to the use of the temple. It could not be used for anything else. Now, that sounds great that you would be willing to dedicate these things to the temple and to give them up to the temple. But what happened was people would make the dedication of something as Corbin with the idea, I will continue to use it and to make use of it. But because it's been dedicated to God, Nobody else can make use of it. I can't give it away, etc. And this could be used for several things. It could be used to get out of debts. If I owed you money, I could say, I'm sorry, but I've already dedicated that money to God. So, yes, I'm using it, but it technically is God's, and so I can't use it to pay my debt to you. One of the things that Jesus spoke to them about was they would use it to get out of any obligation to support their parents. Uh, One of the laws in the Bible, one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. And you had people who would say, well, you know, I would like to honor my parents by uh, making sure they have enough uh, to support them financially, but I can't. Unfortunately, this money that could go for their good, I've already declared it Corbin, and so it has to go to the temple. Now, it'd be one thing if they went ahead and gave it to the temple or gave it to God, But they would often keep it for their own use with the idea that maybe once they were dead or something like this, then it would go on uh, to the temple. Yeah, that it's kind of a very interesting thing historically because this idea of declaring something Corbin really does seem like a fake virtue move. It's something which leaves you where you can control it. There's not really a lot of substance. There's not a lot of sincerity behind it. It does sound like a cheap scapegoat to keep from having to make good on your obligations to even honor the commandments of God given to you. And, you know, that goes on to this day. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term virtue signaling that that is in the common discourse right now where people, they kind of want to broadcast, this is my virtue, but they do that in lieu of doing something which is really virtuous. 
That's really what it sounds like is going on there with declaring something Corbin. Instead of actually doing something for the temple or doing something for your community, for doing for your parents, for whoever it may be, say you've got a debtor making good on your your commitments there. They just basically are saying, well, I'm doing this holy thing here, so I, I'm sorry I can't pay you back right now. But they're not really doing something holy. It, it, it seems so obviously corrupt to the core when you just describe it like that. It's, it's almost laughable that people would try to pull this sort of thing off, but yet people have been doing this for a very long time. Um, so that's, that's just bewildering. I don't, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that you want to share. but No, well, you're right. It, it is. You know, when you put it like that, it, it's hard to believe, you know, that, that people would actually try this. But they did, and they, they got away with it too, I guess. And it seems to me that in doing this, it's not just – there's not really a neutral ground here with this because it's not just that they are not taking things to the temple and they're not paying back their debts so not taking care of their father and mother, but this is happening in absence of, of those righteous things. It reminds me a little bit of the, the fig tree that Jesus curses. It's, it's having leaves as if it can produce fruit, but it's not producing any fruit. In other words, these people, they have resources in their lives where they could do something with them. They could do honorable things with them. But instead, they have spent their time creating a system where they're not doing anything that's good. And there's there's really a vacuum that takes place there where there's there's nothing being done good, but yet people are getting comfortable abusing the system. They're getting comfortable declaring things Corbin, and they think they're doing something virtuous when they're really not. So that that's just a fascinating thing to to out there. I was, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that concept. It's been one that I've kind of just heard discussed here and there, but yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to, to share with you really quick, getting back to those aspirations of the good, the true, and the beautiful. We read that Philippians text where it talks about the things that are true, noble, just, pure, the things that are even lovely, the things of good report. I find it fascinating that in the text you read yesterday, Jesus comes along and he says, I am the good shepherd. For so long, the Pharisees and many others, they thought that they were shepherds. They also thought they were the gatekeepers <laughs> to an extent. And they also think they're the sheep to an extent. They kind of think they get to play every single role that's there. And Jesus comes along and says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and runs away. The wolf snatches them up and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In that scripture there, you do find Jesus having aspirations. There's, there's something reminiscent of this long-standing tradition where God, he creates men and women in his image and he has aspirations for them. There, there are things that are noble. There are things that are pure. There are things that are lovely. And when Jesus as the shepherd comes to spend time with his sheep, he has these same aspirations. He wants to be just with them. He wants to be pure with them. He wants them to have joy. He wants there to be a good report of the sheep. Um, and you see good fruits happening of the good shepherd where the hired hand basically only has the fruits of a transaction. He's there to be paid. There is no interest in purity. There's no interest in things that are lovely. There's no interest in a report other than this is what happened today moving along. What are your thoughts on us as a church 
taking the stance that says we need to emphasize the good fruits of, of being shepherds of Christ, recognizing the good fruits of Jesus's ministry, and us spending time as the church talking about how we should pursue these things that are beautiful, the things that are lovely, these things that are noble and honorable, and just emphasizing that we're not just at church for a transaction. We're not here to be the hired hand that, that runs away when, when we're done with our work for the day, but really are pursuing aspirational ideas that are, are reaching up, reaching up towards the virtues of heaven, looking to, to be better day by day. Um, just what are your thoughts on all that? And I'll just let you take that wherever you want to. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, I think I see where you're, where you're headed with that. You know, Jesus certainly wanted these things in the sheep. He wanted, to, he wanted to see those gifts and other things develop because he wanted what was best for the sheep. You know, uh, he did not want them to, to remain uh, in the lost, blind condition that they were in. Uh, you know, and you contrast that with the Pharisees who their whole idea toward the sheep was entirely different. They would take care of the sheep as long as it was in, the, as long as it was in their interest, yeah. you know. When it came to sacrificing themselves for the sheep, then it became something else. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, Jesus came to say that I am the way. And he talked about I am the way that the sheep can have life. And not just life, but life to the full. Yeah. And that's, that's an expression that I've always liked. Uh, life to the full. And so I think that fits into what you're saying, yeah. you know, that what what Christ wants us to grasp and wants us to bring bring out in us, it's not just a matter of, you know, your sins are forgiven, you're on your way to heaven. There's so much more than that. Yes, you absolutely. Know, the good and the beautiful and all of that, that God wants to make part of our lives right here on earth, and we can be a part of that. So. Yeah, and there's a huge contrast, and you talked in your lesson yesterday about the contrast between the Pharisees and Jesus. The Pharisees, they are the hired hand. They're there for the transaction. They don't care if the sheep have what is just, if they have that fullness in life, that life and life abundance, as you referenced there. But Jesus does care. And we as part of the church, we should care about those things too. It's, as you said earlier, the, the, the whole deal with declaring things Corbin is a sense what the Pharisees have done with their role. They have become false teachers. They have declared their own ministry Corbin meaning we're the hired hand, we can use this for our own benefit when we want to, but the moment that it no longer is in our benefit, we're not going to care about what is lovely for the sheep, the things that are of good report, the things that are of virtue, the things that are just. We're here to simply be the hired hand, and when that benefits us, it benefits us, and when it doesn't, then it doesn't, and we go our merry way. It's declared Corbin. We can have our cake and eat it too, and then they just kind of go on with their life, and it, it really is corrupt. Um, it is a, a, a form of false teaching. It is a way that, that really takes people in a direction that God doesn't want us to go. So that's really the conversation I want us to have on that, and we'll kind of wrap up there. Do you have any final thoughts before we close in prayer? No, I think you've covered it. All righty. Well, would you mind praying for us as we end? Dear Lord, we do thank you for all that you do for us and provide for us. Uh, as we've heard today, we thank you that you are the Good Shepherd and that you are the way to eternal life for us, not just a life in heaven, as grand as that's going to be, but a full life here on earth where we can enter into true life through you. And I ask that you would help us all, Lord, to find that life in you, in your name. Amen. Amen. And on that note, God love you and have a blessed day.